phone or your Bible or whatever, turn to Matthew 26 and John 20. We'll be in both those places today. Um, so, a few quick things also. Uh, not everyone was here. We said Boytman's had their baby last night. Lucia is here. She looks great. Um, they're, they're, everyone's healthy. Everyone's, yep, that will be turned on now. Um, and so that's great. They'll, they'll let us know how to help them and how, to, how they would like for us to barrage them or not barrage them <laughs> later, I'm sure, as they get rest. I think she was, it was a, it was a long one for her. I think it was a, a marathon, so, but it went great. Um, and then also the, the um, bullwares are not here because they are in, what's the name of the town where her great-grandmother is? Dallas area. <laughs> yeah. No, not there. Not there. Close. Close. So they're in Dallas because her, her great-grandmother is very ill and they're trying to go up to visit her, um, which, I mean, it's a, it's a tough time and all. I, I think it's beautiful, though, to go get to see your great-grandmother as, a, as an adult to love her. And so that's, that's just cool to me and beautiful. But anyway, that's where they are this weekend. So we're praying for them as well. Um, and there's that. So real quick, though, as we're getting into it, how did uh, Women's Book Club go this week on Friday? Me and Tom had a great time. <laughs> Me and Tom talked all about things. So not a lot of books, not a lot of books we read, but we talked about a lot of things. It was really fun. He got to, he got to uh, <laughs> hang with, with Tovin waking up 14 times and sitting with us listening to our conversation, which Tovin will either be scarred for or wiser for. <laughs> time will tell. Time will tell. But... So yeah, so how did it go though? How did it go at Women's Book Club? Great. Yeah? <laughs> any, <laughs> any specific great things or just great? Lily's did a great job eating. Well, I know this, yeah. of course. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. And I'm not saying it so you will say that either. No, you know, you know. I felt like we had a good discussion about fasting. Cool. Anything stick out from anyone, comments from anyone that you... I mean, I've already gotten to hear kind of all about it in y'all's wisdom, but... Right, 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 right. <laughs> you probably won't. You probably won't. Uh, so I had. So, go ahead. No. No, mine's not. No, no, no. Go ahead. And that's tough. That's tough because even, even when we're fasting, though, we want to make it legalistic. That's, that's a crazy thing. I remember times in my life fasting and, and you know, you're in a spot where you kind of can't help it. You're either going to have to be like, oh, I can't eat because I'm fasting today. Or you're going to eat what they're offering. And then eating it, I'm just like, oh, I'm awful. I'm worthless for eating this. And God's like, relax. It's fine. It's fine. You're not, don't make this legalistic, dude. Just, just fast if you want to. Um, well, cool. I'm glad it went well. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about it at our house, kind of as she's, you know, reading the chapter again and talking to me about it. And it's, it's so intriguing because it is something that we somehow believe we will get sick if we fast or, like, we won't make it, you know? Like, I don't know. If I don't eat for a day, I may not survive. When most of the known world is concerned about if they're going to eat every day and we get to have this discussion of, are we going to live? 
if, we're, if we work and don't eat in one day, are we going to make it while I pass out at work? You know, we have these, we have these fears that, that I'm not mocking, but we have these fears that somehow have come to us in our American culture and our be able to have everything every time we want it ourselves. But anyway, I'm glad it went well. I'm glad you all had a good time. Okay, let's read this passage in, um, in Matthew. And here's what I want to discuss. We've talked about this before, but I don't think we've talked about both passages together. <clears throat> but I want us to look at, as Jesus is on the way to the cross here, I want us to look at Peter. Um, but first, what are some of your favorite stories about Peter, or the most ridiculous ones? They probably go hand in hand. About Peter before the crucifixion. What are, what are some of your favorites about this guy? Cutting ears off? How, what, tell us the story. <laughs> no, I'm asking you to tell me. So what's the story? When, when does he cut his ear off and why? They're in the garden. Help Todd with the story. Let's do that. They're in the garden. Right? Cuts the guy's ear off. Which is, which is kind of a crazy deal. First of all, he missed the soldier's face, if that's what he's going for. Or he missed scaring him and accidentally got his ear. One of the two of those things. But, but in all seriousness. Yeah, and what happens after that? Jesus puts the ear back on. He's like, hey, whoa, Peter, no. It's not how we do it. It's not how we do it. I don't even know how that worked, right? And, then, and they still take him. They're like, yeah, okay. We're still going to take you in. I'm sure that soldier was like, we can maybe give him a pass. Okay, like, this has been awesome. All right, my ear is here again. But I mean, you think about that story, that's crazy. Okay, Peter, we give Peter a hard time for everything, everything. But Peter doesn't want them to take him. Enough to take a sword and try probably to cut a guy's face and cuts his ear off. And then, and then even in that fervor, in that love, gets like, hey, that's not what we're doing right now. It's like, oh, come on. I'm trying to save you. I just, I cut the guy's ear off. I'll, I'll do it again. You know, what's, so that's just a, that is a crazy story. What else? What other stories about Peter? Oh, no, I was like, louder. Let's do it. No, really. If you have a story about Peter, you know I'd love to hear it. Let's do it. Probably be more correct than any other ones coming from you, man. Any other ones? Yeah. He's like, ah, let me build you a shack. <laughs> yeah, he's like, let's build houses. And, oh, I just imagine. Okay, so I remember one time. Yeah. Let's just build them things. And I bet you're like, good. I- yeah, let's just build everyone houses real quick. Let's see how that goes. Good, good thinking, Peter, right? And when, what happens after he says that? God's voice from out of wherever says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. It's like, be quiet kind of comes out. Not really. It's kinder than that, I would assume. But it's, shh, Peter. Not now, bud. Not now. It's not house building time right now. Okay, please. Please don't do this. What else? Any other stories from Peter we like? Right? He walks on water. What, what details on that story? Do we know it? Yeah, 
Does he, what happens when they see Jesus walk up? Do you remember how, how he gets to walking out? Do you remember? Right. And then he says, no, it's me. I'm just walking on water. I'm just walking. I'm just coming to help you. But what does Peter say to him? Do you remember? Yeah. Peter initiates it and says, if you say to come out, I'll come out with you. Right? Like, I'll do this with you. This is amazing. Or I trust you. Or whatever. I'll I'll come out. And what's Jesus say? Yeah, let's go. Come on out. And so he does. Which is crazy. No one else does. There's... The 11 dudes in a boat. Peter's walking out there. He says, okay, I believe you. And then, of course, in the midst, sees what's happening around him and gets rightfully afraid because he's walking in a sea, on the sea, rightfully afraid even, and starts to sink. Jesus saves him. Everything's fine, right? Takes him and he says, oh, have more faith. And we give Peter a hard time. There's 11 people in a boat with a little less faith, it seems, Right? So yeah, beautiful story. Peter walking in the water. Any other ones? Either, any of them. Any of them. You can like it or not. You can be like, yeah, yes. Right. Seems so. Which is great segue. That's the story we're talking about, which is great. So thank you. That wasn't even planted with you. That was perfect. So, so here's the deal, though. <laughs> that would be that would be so cheesy if we did that. We should do that just to be super cheesy. Oh, awesome! So, okay, yeah. So let's go there. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 69 here, and it says, um, "And Jesus, is, Jesus, at this point has been arrested. He's been beaten. He's going before different leaders." Um, either be mocked or seriously questioned or out of curiosity or intrigue. And also, though, in the midst of that, there have been crowds gathering just to kind of see what's happening, all right? Um, At this time, Jesus has done enough to make a lot of people really love him and done enough to make a lot of people really hate him and confused the multitude in between of this, right? So right now, this is just this intrigue bringing a lot of people to this place and a lot of people here... uh, are going to yell, you know, no, release Barabbas to us. Um, yes, crucify him. Some people are going to follow and weep. Some people are going to cheer. It's, it's crazy time right now. It's just chaos around this trial. <clears throat> and in the midst of that, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. Which is an interesting answer. What do you mean? What do you mean was I with him? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you mean. And he went out to the entrance. Another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, Hey, this guy, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath and said, I do not know the man. And after a little while, the bystander came up and said to Peter, Certainly too you were one of them because your accent betrays you. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear and say, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So let's rewind before this. They're at the, they're at 
observing the Passover together, and Jesus tells him, right, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And what's Peter's answer to him? No, surely I won't. Surely not me. Surely not the one who recognized that you were the Christ first. The first one to say, no, you're it. You're who we were looking for, right? Surely not me, the one who walked on water with you. You just said, come on, I asked you to tell me to come on, and you did, and I went. We did that together, me and you. You saved me from drowning when I walked towards you on water. I got to see Moses and Elijah. I, yes, there was the foot and mouth about building them a house, but, but I was there. We did that together. I heard your father's voice. This is my son whom I will please listen to him. I surely won't. I'm about to try to kill someone for you as they come and get you. Surely I won't. Right? And I know myself, and I know, like, how many times I've felt, surely I won't, right? Not, not me, or not this time, or no. I, I'm, I'm determined to just submit to your fortitude to be with you, is how I felt so many times. And then he goes, standing in the courtyard, hiding there while Jesus is being beaten and questioned and mocked. And a servant girl comes and says, aren't you him? I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what you mean. What kind of question are you asking me? And then another one comes as he's leaving to get out of that situation and says, "No, surely, surely I've seen you with Jesus." He, with an oath, said that he has not. Then they begin to question him more and more, and he begins to curse and to swear, to make it to make it loud and true that no, he wasn't right. And we picture this as like, why wouldn't he just say he is? What's the problem? Well, it's because it's a crowd of people that want to see his master dead, number one, and they might kill him too. They're not, this isn't just a sterile environment where everyone's peacefully waiting, having snacks and coffee together, and someone says, hey, did I perhaps see you? It's not like that. It's not this situation. The bystanders are gathering around him to question. So we can, you know, I'm not saying cut him a break on that, but I'm saying this isn't, this isn't peaceful like me and you talking now. And Dustin saying, no, no, I don't think I know what your question means. You know, it's not like that. Okay. For him to need to call down with an oath and to curse and to swear means he thought he needed to curse and to swear and call down the oath so they would know he was serious. But he does. He does. And immediately has a moment of clarity when the rooster crows and leaves weeping bitterly. And we have, to say we've been there is almost too cheesy because it's too obvious. Of course we have. Of course, we've, we've said, no, we would never, or no, we will follow through on this thing God has commanded us to do. We can do it, right? In the smallest of ways, I know I've told Lily numerous times when she's going to go somewhere and I'm going to be with the boys, no, this is going to be a great time with the boys. It's going to be Everett's Boys Day. We're going to have a great time. And then all of a sudden, a little boy from the back is screaming at me, I don't want you to get a cheeseburger because you're being a bad dad. And I'm screaming back, ho, 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 I'll control who gets the cheeseburgers here. And we have that kind of moment, you know? And I'm like, no, I thought this would work. I thought I could be patient. I thought I would be kind. This is who I am, though, is always what comes back to us. Peter weeps because he realizes who he is. That's who he is. When we get squeezed, what's in us shows. What's in us comes out of us. And too often, we do not like what we find 
It's like we knew it was in there, but we thought it wasn't. We thought it was gone. We thought we could hide it. We thought we could be someone better, different, more amazing, more patient, more loving, a better husband, a, a better this, a more true. And we find out we're not. And we just have the moment of clarity when we find out we're not. And it's awful because we've promised we would. We've known that we could. You know, it's all those things, that disappointment that's just between us and us. <laughs> and with Peter, it is directly to Jesus. It is a direct, no, best friend, I will follow you to death. I will die with you. And then someone says, weren't you with him? And you start to rain down curses to convince them you're not with him. And it was, like you're saying, not long after. <laughs> this isn't weeks to be afraid. This is in the moment. And then we have these moments, and I think, I think what happens for us is the same that happens to Peter. Peter leaves, weeps bitterly, doesn't go back to the cross. When he finds out that someone took Jesus' body, he runs to the tomb because he wants, he just, he doesn't, there's no way to make it right, right? He gets to a situation where he doesn't feel like there's a way to fix that because Jesus is dead. They, they kill him, and he's not even there for it. This person he walked with and gave his life to for so long he, doesn't, he can't even fix it, right? In the last moments, he wasn't faithful, you know? But then he gets this opportunity to, and, and they get to have a conversation that's beautiful. And so I just want us to look at it. We're not going to spend forever on it. We're going to eat lunch together and have a great time. But I, I, I want us to look at it because it's beautiful, and I think this is the offer to us always. And so here's, here's where it is. It's in John 20. <clears throat> and this is when Jesus gets up from the grave he goes and has spent time with different of the disciples in different ways. He's appeared in a room with them. He's kind of walked up to them at a, uh, while they're working. They go back to being fishermen, and they finish breakfast. They eat breakfast together, which is important for, for John to write because they're having just kind of a normal moment again, and Jesus is eating. So he really does come from the grave, body, spirit, everything. And they're talking, he says, when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I know we've talked about this a bunch of times. Do we know what that word love means? That one? There's a, there's a bunch of different ways to say love in Greek. In Koine, there's like a, a bunch of different types of love. The three main ones we see all the time in scripture are phileo, which is what? Do we know what kind of love that is? Yeah, it's like brotherly love. That's where we get Philadelphia. At the city of brotherly love, phileo is a root of that kind of way of saying love. And so you get this, I love you like a brother. I love you with deep friendship. And it matters. It is love. It's not, I love pizza. You know, it's, no, I would say to any of you, I love you. I would, I would be using phileo to do that. And then there's eros, which is what kind of love? What is it? Yes, it's like a romantic, erotic, sexual love that you would have with a partner, your spouse. You, you, would, you would say that to your wife or your husband or your boyfriend. You, you would have this kind of love. It's like desire. It's not always just sexual, but it often is. But you would use it with desire. Like, I desire you. So you would use, I eros you, is what you would say. And then there's another one, agape, which would mean what? Unconditional? What's another way of saying that? That's true. 
What else? It's like the fullness of, right? It's like this unconditional fullness of not really earned, can't be really removed. It's just the love that is, right? It's like, it's a difference between saying, like, yes, I do agape lily, but it took a while to get there, right? We earned that between each other. And it, it can go away. It can, right? We see it happen all the time. If we, I don't, we don't want it to. We're working so that it does not. But it can. You see your baby born, you agape the baby right then. They've done nothing but kind of appear, and you need them. You love them. They are it. That's, they're just ugh, agape. They're, the Boitmans are experiencing agape in the weirdest, most beautiful, wonderful new way today, right? And Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? That's the literal, those are the words Jesus uses to Peter. Do you agape me? Peter answers, Lord, you know I phileo you. He says, do you love me the way just that love should be? Do you love me unconditionally? Or am I the fullness of your love? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I phileo you. I love you very much like a brother. I love you with this kinship. Yes, I love you. Jesus asks him again. Or he says, yes, I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And he says to him, tend my sheep. And he says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said this to him a third time. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. This is such a different story when we know what they're asking. When we know we're asking. And that Jesus asked him the third time, do you phileo me? Just would crush Peter. He knows, that they know Jesus is precise with his language. They know the difference between agape and phileo and eros and every other kind of love that Greeks would say to each other and that they would use in language to say to each other. And he asks him a third time, do you phileo me? Peter answers honestly. Again, he says, look, this is who I am. Yes, that's what I've got. That is what I have to offer. This is me in front of all my friends I've been loud to, in front of you who I've been boisterous to. You know all things. I've got phileo for you. That's it. That's me. That's what I've got. And Jesus answers him beautifully. Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. I know you. I know who you are. Let's do this. Feed my sheep. Still the promise to you over and over and over again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, yes, you dressed yourself. You walked wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show the kind of death that Peter was going to have to glorify God. And after saying this, he says to him again, Follow me. Here's what is so beautiful about the story, and it's obvious to us, and we know it. In the midst of knowing who Peter is, the call has not changed. Jesus says, follow me. Peter thinks he's going to do that to death, right? He says, okay, I will follow you. I will walk on water with you. I will do this. I will do that. I will ask to build houses for dead prophets. I will walk on water. 
I will be the first to recognize you as the Christ. I will cut someone's ear off for you. I will do all these things. I will make promises to you. I will walk with you. I will see your beauty. I will do all these things for you. I will do that. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Peter finds out who he really is, denies him with swears and cursing to servants in a courtyard, weeps bitterly, finds out who he is, is honest with Jesus about who he is. Do you agape me? Do you love me, with, do you love me to the end? Do you love me with all that love is? I phileo you. That's what I've got. I have brotherly, I have brotherly love for you. I can muster brotherly affections. Look what I've done. Look who I really am, Jesus. And Jesus says, I know. Follow me. I still want you to do this with me. My call to you has not changed. Let's go. I'm aware of that. You're aware of your love. Let's go anyway. And that we can relate to. We can relate to that. We can relate to knowing who we are really and saying to Jesus, this is, this is all the want for you I can muster. This is all the faithfulness I've got, and it doesn't appear to be much. This is all the desire. This is all the discipline. This is all of me, and it looks like this. And Jesus says, that is what I want. That sounds great. Follow me. Let's do this. That's the beauty of, of Lent for us. To show in the midst of our fasting, in the midst of seeking holiness, in the seek of trying righteousness, to know that we cannot, that our righteousness really is still like filthy rags comparatively. That really, a lot of us turn away sad when just like when Jesus told the rich young ruler, oh, all you have to do to follow me is go sell all your things. Let's go. And he turns away sad because he knows he's not gonna. He's not gonna. That's us. We know that. Let's follow him. Let's go. All you can muster is phileo, the call to you, follow me. If all you can muster is, I'm trying it out. Let's see how it goes. Follow me. If all we can muster is, you know, I'm barely putting my foot back in the door because I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. I'm so confused by this. I don't, I don't know what upbringing taught me about Jesus, but now this is what I've got, and I'm not the, the call. Follow me. Let's go. Let's test it then. Let's do. Let's see. Come with me. That is, that is this beautiful Lent story for us. As we walk towards the cross together, as we walk towards there, we know we're going to deny. The rooster will crow on us so many times. The call is follow me. With your phileo, with your curiosity, maybe just with whatever intrigue you can muster, follow me. And as we sing in a little bit, as we have communion, as we eat together, that's us for each of us. Okay? So let's stand together.